Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Church on the Rock. God has a word for you tonight. And the word for you tonight, the word for me tonight, by the way, because, you know, you're not the only one that gets preached to around here. You know, I happen to be the pastor of the church that I have attended for the last 40 years. So if I was going to ever, you know, hear a good sermon, I had to preach one. Okay. And uh, good sermons are the ones that kind of, you know, challenge you a little bit, you know, and move you a little closer to God, that you leave with an opportunity to put another block in the building that God is doing in your life. So tonight we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts for, who, 30 weeks or so. One of the days we'll finish it. We're trying to get through one chapter every week. We didn't get to do that early on, but over the last probably 20 weeks, we've been knocking out one chapter every week. In order to knock out one chapter, we only get to look at two or three, four verses. We just don't hardly get too many verses. I tried to include more verses tonight, but, you know, we're still going to have one theme tonight. And, uh, you know, it is a unique theme that we get from the book of Acts every week. It's unique. You know, I, I told uh, people in the green room uh, before we came out and we were, you know, praying for a service. And, and uh, I said, you know, I go to God every week and I say, how did you get that from that? Because he shares something with me that I've never seen before. And I'm going, how did you get that? I've read that only how many times. How did you get that? You know, but here we are again tonight. Our theme out of Acts chapter 24 is gossip. Whoa. Gossip is like a, it's like a new living translation word. If you want to do an, you know, a King James word, it would be like tail bearer. Okay. A person who carries a tail from one place to another. Okay. And so, anyway, T-A-L-E bearer, not T-E-L-L bearer, but it could be a tail bearer too, I guess. Okay. All right, a tail bearer. Well, let me catch us up where we are in the book of Acts here because, uh, you know, uh, we don't always get to make every week. And so we'll just kind of catch up and we'll go from there. Here we are coming into chapter 24. The apostle Paul, a few chapters ago, was in Greece and he really felt like he was supposed to be in Jerusalem. Because he wanted to be there for the feast of Pentecost. But everywhere he went, it seemed like the Holy Spirit was testifying and, and, and having somebody prophesy or tell him, look, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem because, you know, trouble awaits you there. And we read about that, how the Apostle Paul would listen to them, but then he'd say, well, I understand. I feel the same thing. I think, you know, there's some trouble there, but yet I think God told me to go there. And so even if there is trouble, I'm willing to go there because God told me to go. Well, the Apostle Paul did not know at that moment that God had a bigger plan. It was going to take him through the land of a little trouble and all the way into Rome, ultimately, so that he could, you know, have an opportunity to witness to the leadership of Rome, to the government of Rome, and also to write several books of the Bible, which we still have today. Philippians, Colossians, you know, while he was there, just being, you know, uh, held in protective custody, as it were, because a lot of people wanted to kill him. 
So he goes on to Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem, uh, you know, on this quest. And everybody says, oh, be careful. Oh, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. Be careful. So as soon as he got to Jerusalem, he went to see the church, went to see James, the pastor, went to the elders. And they said, listen, people around here don't like you. I'm paraphrasing this. But people around here don't like you because you have been teaching the Gentiles that they are as important as the Jews. Now, we believe that message, but we want you to know it's controversial. And, 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 and the controversy is that, that, you know, we're not requiring the Gentiles to keep the law of Moses. And Jewish Christians coming out of a Jewish background, they love Jesus, but yet they're keeping the law. And here in Jerusalem, there are a lot of Jews that don't believe in Jesus. This, these are people who crucified him. And there are, uh, 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 you know, Christian Jews. And so here's kind of a big, would you do something for us? Would you mind acting a little more Jewish while you're here? I'm paraphrasing, but you know, we read that, we studied that. For example, there are a couple of visitors from out of town who are Jews and they want to uh, give a special offering and they want to pay a vow. Would you actually give them the money to pay their vow? And would you join with them and shave your head, and, and, and which, which was a part of the vow, and go to the temple and worship and, 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 you know, just before the Feast of Pentecost? And that way you present yourself holy as one that recognizes the temple, as one that understands our Jewish customs and cultures, and so that you're not in offense while you're here? Because we really don't need any more trouble in the church. And Paul understood and Paul was happy to be all things to all people. He wanted to be a good witness. He didn't want to cause trouble. And so he said, sure. So, you know, he did that and joined with these other two guys and they all shaved their head. You know what? Aren't you glad that we don't have to do that today? And, <laughs> and went to the temple and, uh, you know, and so he's there in the temple and some of the more religious groups of the Jews really didn't like him and they recognized him and they had seen a Gentile that was there in Jerusalem and they were concerned that Paul had brought him into the temple where only the Jews who had sanctified themselves and, 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 and were performing some religious vow and some rite of washing and praying and, and bathing and all this, 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 uh, this tradition they thought that Paul had brought a Gentile into that arena. And they took him and they began to beat the apostle Paul. I mean, they beat him and beat him and beat him. So much of a riot that the Roman commander of the garrison in Jerusalem, charged with keeping the peace in Jerusalem, even the peace on the Temple Mount, came with his garrison and rescued the Apostle Paul and pulled him out. The Apostle Paul regained his composure a little bit and spoke to the, to, to the Jews in their language, which shocked the Roman commander. And so it ends up that the Roman commander, you know, uh, uh, pulls him into the garrison, into the barracks, and he decides, I'm going to question the Apostle Paul. He didn't know who this man was. I'm going to question him. And this is the way they question people in those days. And it's the way they do, do it, you know, in some countries still today. And it's the way our country and some places in our country used to do it. Before you question somebody, you give them a good beating. 
Hello? I mean, you know, we don't have to deny history to say we aren't that way, but we were that way. Okay? And, uh, you know, some people were. Not, not everybody, but some people were, and some countries still are. And it so happened that the Roman government was that way in the city of Jerusalem in that day. And, you know, Luke records it, that they took the apostle Paul in, and the commander said, I want to question him. Strip him and beat him. <laughs> and tie him up so I can question him later. So as they start to strip, the apostle Paul said, wait a second. It's against the law for you to tie up and to beat a Roman citizen when he has not had his day in court. I have rights of due process. Well, that scared the commander because Paul was right. If that commander's, you know, uh, boss heard that he had tied up a Roman citizen, that he had beat and stripped a Roman citizen of clothes and beat him without first due process, who that commander could be beaten and, you know, I mean, it, it would be bad. So it scared the commander. The commander said, well, hold on a second. Whoa, let's find out who you are. You mean you're a Roman citizen? And the guy said, yeah. Paul said, yeah, sure I am. He said, okay. All right. The next morning, he took Paul and he called the Jewish council together. And he said, okay, now tell me, why are we all beating this guy? Well, they started offering some things and Paul started offering things. It got in such a quagmire that the, 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 that, that the Roman commander took Paul and put him back in jail and he didn't know what to do. Well, that night, one of Paul's nephews heard that there was a plot to kill his uncle Paul. Forty men who were religious Jewish zealots had made a vow you can we're up to chapter 23 now okay they had made a vow that they would never eat again they went into the high priest and said we make a vow we promise we swear 40 of us we will never eat again not one more bite until we have killed the apostle paul now here's what we want you to do high priest tomorrow you ask the Roman commander to bring him back to this same council he was at today. And when they're bringing him on the way, we will ambush them and kill him. And then we'll all go have a feast. <laughs> well, okay, the high priest said. Well, when Paul's nephew heard of this plot, he went to the Roman commander. And he said, listen, there is a conspiracy to assassinate my uncle Paul tomorrow. They're going to ask you to bring him. And on the way, they're going to kill him. And the Roman commander said, don't tell anybody else you told me. And then the Roman commander turned around and he told a whole group of people, soldiers, y'all get ready and get a horse for Paul. Okay. And they put Paul on a horse and they got ready and they rode out of town in the nighttime in secret and rode about, oh, 25 miles or so northeast to a little place and then they turned him over to another group of soldiers who rode about another 35 or 40 miles altogether probably about 65 miles the route they took up to the port city town of Caesarea which in Caesarea is where the governor of that area lived his name was Felix a Roman governor named Felix 
And so they delivered him to this Roman governor named Felix. Now the apostle Paul, it's only been one week since he first arrived in Jerusalem. One week, seven days. He's already been, you know, shaved his head, went to the church, had a vow, went, you know, was performing his religious uh, vow and, you know, was beaten, was arrested, was kept overnight, was questioned, you know, was pulled back out, was, and now has, you know, gone all the way up to Caesarea and he's before the Roman governor Felix. This is where we're picking up now in chapter 24. He's before this Roman governor Felix. He's, they, they, they've gotten there at nighttime. Felix asks what's going on and, and they say, well, you know, there's some people in Jerusalem that have charges against him. And so Felix says, okay, I want you to go ahead and hold the apostle Paul here in house arrest, but give him a little freedom. Let him, let, let him move about freely, you know, uh, but because the Roman commander said this, there didn't seem to be any real charges against him, but I want to send to Jerusalem and have those people who, who have a complaint against him to bring that complaint before me because he's a Roman citizen. Have them bring that complaint to me. I'm the judge of this. Let's give Paul due process appear before me in a hearing. And so it took about five days for that process. So the Bible tells us in chapter 24 that the apostle Paul has only been 12 days since he first arrived in Jerusalem. That's what he says to Felix later on. You know, you can find out it's only been 12 days since I got here and I was just performing my religious vows and my duties and here I am now. Okay. Are you ready? All right. Uh, so uh, Paul's accusers are supposed to come and appear before Felix to lodge their official complaints. Acts 24, verse 1. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, this is a Jewish high priest. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, arrived in Caesarea with some of the Jewish elders and a lawyer, Tertullius, to present their case against Paul to the governor. Now, uh, let, let me tell you that, that it's reasonable to imagine that the case that they are about to present, that the case that they are about to present, it's evident that it's wrong, but it's reasonable to think that Tertullius and Ananias, the high priest and the elders, they believe this. They're wrong, but they believe it. Okay. Are you with me? Okay. Now, so five days later, here the elders and the, and the lawyer and, and the high priest, they get here to Caesarea and they're about to present their arguments against Paul to the governor. Verse five, this is part of the arguments. We found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up rights among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of a cult known as the Nazarenes. And furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. Man, they got a pretty good case against him here. He's a ringleader. He's a cult ringleader. And, you know, he's, he's a troublemaker. And, he's, and, and he's call, he causes riots all over the world. And when we found him, when we came upon him, when he was arrested, it was because he was desecrating our holy temple. Now, as I said, I have no doubt that these accusers believe what they're saying. But fact of the matter is, they weren't there. They were wrong. 
Later, the apostle Paul, a part of his argument is, hey, listen, the people who were there at the time who have a complaint against me, they ought to be the ones here telling you what happened. These people weren't there. Oh, well, you know, believing you're right doesn't always mean you're right. Hello, that's more, I tell you, we could go home right there, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> believing you're right, convinced you're right, you know, telling somebody else what you know does not always mean you know. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. Where else can you go and get this for only a quarter? Huh? <laughs> All right. These men were basing their opinions on secondhand, third-hand information, things that they had heard about him uh, all over the world, he causes riots. Well, that's not the truth. That's like imagining that firemen go around the city setting fires. Every time we go to the fire, you know, that, that's what a little boy said to his daddy. He said, hey, you know, his dad would chase fire trucks and, 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 and show up at fires so his son could see the firemen and everything. And, and, and one day his son said, daddy, why do these men in this truck go around town setting all these fires? Just because you happen to be at a fire doesn't mean that you're the person that set the fire. Just because Paul happened to be at a place where there was trouble doesn't mean that he was the one that was, you know, inciting the rights. Well, at any rate, uh, they weren't there. They couldn't really know. The men who were actually there were not present. The men who were present when Paul was arrested, the men who beat Paul, the men who believed that Paul had done something wrong, they were also wrong. But they weren't at the court hearing. You know, uh, I love our due process laws. I, I love our Seventh Amendment. It gives us the right, you know, to be, uh, you know, uh, to fair and speedy trial, to be faced by our accusers. Isn't that wonderful? Hearsay is just not good enough. Well, once an individual or a court or a community, now listen to me, once an individual, once a court, once a community, once a workplace, takes up a reproach against a person or a people group, it is hard for them to judge without bias. It's just hard. Once we accept something about someone else, it is hard for them to get a fair trial in our court, in our community, in our churches, in our families in our workplace, at our school. And unfortunately, not everything that we hear, even from a credible source, like a high priest, or an, the elders in this case, or the attorney in this, not everything that they believe is true is true, especially if it was secondhand information, hearsay. You know, I mean, uh, realistically, there's a lot of room for error. You have played the game like I have, where you whisper one thing in someone's ear and it goes through about 10 people and pretty soon it gets upside down, crossways and wrong. Well, this is one of the things that we are being taught here in the 24th chapter of Acts, you see, it's important for us to not tell and not listen to gossip. This, this is a concept throughout the whole Bible. It's important that, that we not hear partial conversations. The book of Ecclesiastes says, do not put your ear to the door. Don't try to listen in on what other people are saying. 
lest you hear someone saying something negative about you. And it goes on in Ecclesiastes to say, because you know that you have said things, if they had have been heard out of context, would not have been understood. Okay? Partial comments, partial conversations, coming in in the middle of a conversation, you know, hearsay, even when it comes from someone that, you know, that, that, you know, is presenting it and they believe it. They're confident, sincere. They could be sincerely wrong. How many times have relationships been damaged by someone repeating something that was said, but it wasn't meant in the way that it was said? How many times have you said, or has someone said to you, well, yeah, but I didn't mean it that way? Inflections, especially with text. You know, someone texted me this week and they text me something, I got it completely wrong. They kept trying to tell me, but I was kind of stuck on the first thing that I had heard because I had heard an inflection. You know, I had, I had heard it, you know, as a, as a question and, and it wasn't, it was a comment. And so I was, I was kind of stuck and I kept going around that question and finally it literally, I, 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 I thought about it all night long in my waking and my sleeping. And I went over every possible scenario until I came up with the one that, oh yeah, oh that, that was the, that was what they, yeah, I can see that. You've bound to have had that happen. Well, you know, Repeating something that was said but was not meant is, you know, is a cause of a lot of trouble. Proverbs 16.28 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates best friends. Wow. That's the New Living Translation. Gossip separates best friends. It happens among best friends. And if it happens among best friends, imagine how damaging gossip is when it involves people who aren't best friends. People who may not have primary relationships. Situations that may not demand that we see that person again tomorrow or the next day. Imagine how damaging it can be. It's best if we leave problems between two people, between those two people. Hello? The Bible says when you walk by and mess with a problem that doesn't belong to you, it's like taking a mad dog by the ears. Oh, this is good stuff. Every week, God just tries to encourage us to be a little bit better, to be a little, more, a little better reflection of the love, the joy, the peace, the sanity, and to protect our relationships and our communities and our families from, you know, from situations that seem simple when we're talking about them, but you have certainly been hurt. And perhaps you have even hurt someone else unknowingly. You know, uh, it's best when we have a problem to talk to the person we have the problem with and not talk to other people about the problem we're having with that person. <laughs> I know we can be tempted to talk to others, but when we talk to others... It tempts them to take up a reproach. What, what, what do I mean by that? I mean it tempts them to take up, you know, to be hurt on my account. Several years ago, a man cheated me and my family out of thousands of dollars. He just did. It was a bona fide cheat. And he knew what he was doing. And he didn't care. And then he decided he would protect his image in the community by 
you know, lying about it and by telling our mutual friends that uh, I was just simply an unreasonable man. Now, neither me nor any of my family said one word about it to anybody, okay? We didn't agree with what he did, but rather than cause a greater problem, we just accepted the loss. It was thousands and thousands of dollars. We accepted the loss. We dealt with it. We forgave him. We, uh, and, and, and we just moved forward. However, that lying, thieving cheat was unable to move forward. They were unable to continue uh, working uh, in, in the same arena and uh, loving mo money more than they loved me or my family. Uh, they just separated themselves and they went on to steal from others. About two years later, I was talking with a local pastor and the local pastor just brought it up. It hadn't, I mean, it, it had been some years. And this other local pastor who was not involved at all brought it up and said, you know, I really am sorry about what happened between you and this other person. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry it so ill-affected uh, uh, you guys' relationship. And this pastor continued by saying to me, he said, you know, but, you know, well, I've heard both sides of the argument, and I've decided that uh, you were probably both at fault. Well, I listened. If you know me, I'm, I'm really patient. I listened. And I concluded that God was giving me an opportunity to learn something here and an opportunity to teach a life principle to someone else. And so... I questioned the pastor. I felt like God was leading me in this. I questioned the pastor by saying this. How did you hear both sides of the story? Because I know I have never said one word to you or anybody else about it. If you heard both sides of the story, you heard both sides of the story from one person. And that's not both sides of the story. You can't begin to know what I think or feel. I've never told you. I still haven't told you. Boy, he looked at me. I could see a light went on in his head. And he realized that he had been listening to, to one person. And that one person was telling him both sides of the story. <laughs> That's pretty common, by the way. For somebody to tell you what they did and what they think and what the other person did and what the other person thinks too. That's not uncommon. And he shook his head and he apologized to me. And also he admitted that he had actually believed the other person. But the Bible says the first person to tell the story is the one that's believed until the whole matter comes out. Just when, when just one, you know, the first person to tell is the, I mean, it kind of puts your roots down right there. I mean, how many times have you said, somebody said something, you said, no, no, that ain't the way it happened. Because you already heard something. The first thing you heard, if you hadn't heard that first thing, you'd believe what they said. And you don't know. You don't have the slightest idea. And you're defending the first thing you heard. Come on. Come with me. It's nature. God's speaking to us about it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's you know. 
Not only did this pastor tell me that he had believed the other person, but he said, you know, I've been telling other people <laughs> both sides of the story. You know, I've been, I, I've been repeating what I thought I knew ever since I heard how unfair a man you are. <laughs> well, that pastor and I both learned a great lesson that day. And, uh, and as I said, I've never yet told him my side of the story, and I won't. Didn't matter. It's over and done with. It's not going to fix anything. The only thing it could do is hurt something. I learned a long time ago that if you're not talking to a person that's a part of the problem or a person that's part of the cure, you're talking to the wrong person. Hello? If you're not talking to the person that's a part of the problem or a part of the cure, and don't think that you can hide behind, well, I'm asking for prayer, you know, hogwash. <laughs> that's a lie of the devil. Now you add lying to your gossiping. And that's a bad one too. That's one of the 10 biggies. Okay. But I do wonder at times how many people really believe that I really caused that failure in that relationship. You know, because I'm just unreasonable. That's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what people think about you that is not quite true. Or what you think about others because you heard it. Or you read it on social media. Because we know social media is the Bible of the 21st century. Let's decide that we're not going to be a tell-bearer. Let's decide. Now that's the King James, you know, version for the word gossip. The King James Version of the word gossip is tell-bearer. Proverbs 11.3 says, A tell-bearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. If you want to be faithful, just keep it to yourself. Okay? Unless you're talking to a person that can fix it. Okay? Or the person that caused it. If not, then you're just revealing secrets. Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, He that goeth about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Don't, don't, you know, don't meddle with people that are just trying to get you on their side, just trying to make you feel better about you know, being on their team. Proverbs 26.20 says, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So, where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. Well, one of the best ways to kick strife out is just to stop talking about it. It's like putting wood on fire. You know? And every person you get, you're just chunking them on the fire. <laughs> Proverbs 26, 22, the words of a tailbearer is wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. They, 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 they wound us down here. Okay. King Solomon, of course, said he's the one that said that the first person to tell the story is the one that's believed until the whole matter is cross-examined. And, and, uh, you know, uh, but you may not always get that chance, and we probably don't know both sides. When Paul was asked by Governor Felix to make his statement, here he has been accused of causing riot all over the world, rights all over the world, and even said he was desecrating our temple whenever he was arrested. 
Now the, now the Apostle Paul gets his chance because these people weren't even there. But no doubt they believe it. Why? Because they heard it. But they heard it from a mob who probably heard it from, the, and it went on, you know, you know, this, it was wrong to begin with, and then it just grew. And now it's grown to the point to where ultimately, before this is all over, you know, a few years from now, Paul's going to have his head cut off. Felix, the governor, says, okay, Paul, it's your turn. Tell me about it. So in verse 24, uh, excuse me, verse 12 of chapter 24, he said, listen, my accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple. That's just not the truth. My accusers, by the way, who aren't here, he said that uh, a, a little earlier. They never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. I, I, that, that's just not the truth. They may believe it, but not everything you believe is true. Not everything you hear is true. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing. There is no proof here. But I admit, let me tell you what, 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 I, what I will confess to. I follow the way which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything that's written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God. He said, I believe the very same things that these people who are accusing me believe. We believe the same things, but they weren't there. What they're saying I did, I didn't do. I was worshiping the same God that they are worshiping. And I, I, I'm believing the same thing they believe, that God is going to raise up the righteous in a day to come. And he's going to raise up the unrighteous a judgment. We believe the same thing well verse 22 at this point Felix you know who was quite familiar with the way with believers with Christianity with with messianic Judaism Felix was quite familiar with it because his wife uh, was a Jew but he adjourned the hearing and said, I'm going to wait until Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives, and then I will decide the case. I want to hear, you know, from the commander what was going on when you got arrested. What, who, who's right? You know, were you causing a problem or, did, you know, or, or, or you know, were, did, did, did somebody just jump on you and cause a problem? So, verse 23, he ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs. And a few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul. Now, now the commander hadn't gotten there yet. He hadn't heard the case. But him and his wife, they just want to hear, hear, hear the apostle Paul. They sent for Paul, and they listened as he told them about faith in Jesus. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. The, you know, when, when Paul starts talking and, and, and starts telling them, you know, the governor and his wife about righteousness, about, you know, self-control, the coming day of judgment. Felix became frightened and he said to Paul, go away for now. <laughs> you know, uh, whew. When it's more convenient, I'll, I'll, I'll call you in. Whenever I can take a little more, when it's, as soon as I get through being scared of God, 
I'll call you again. Well, you know, the apostle Paul did this for a space of two years. He kept coming back to the governor. The governor would call for him. He'd go back in. He'd tell the governor some more about righteousness, self-control, you know, and, and, and uh, 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 you know, judgment, the coming judgment. L- listen to these things. For two years, what the apostle Paul talked to him about. The apostle Paul was called by God and even imprisoned and sent to this place in Caesarea for two years before he was taken on to Rome to be imprisoned. In about the year 58, 59, 60, the last part of year 58, because Pentecost happens in the summertime. And so about the summer of 58 until about the summer of 60, the apostle Paul is in prison, house arrest in Caesarea. And he continues to be called by the governor and the governor's wife. All the way up until the time that they're replaced as governor and Festus comes in. And these are the subjects that the Holy Spirit led the Apostle Paul to discuss with them. Number one, righteousness. You know how important it is for a government or for any people to be right with God? It's important that you are right with God. One of the things that that the 24th chapter of Acts teaches us is the importance of being right with God. Of not just following along, you know, the loudest or the first voice. Not the loudest voice, not the strongest voice, not the first voice, but rather to be right with God. Number two, self-control how important it is to have self-control so that we aren't just, you know, having our buttons pushed all the time so that we aren't incited to riot in our own way, whether in our minds or in our attitudes and our conversations or in our actions, that we are not riotous, that we are not out of control, that we aren't so angry that we are livid against a government or against a group or against the Republicans or the Democrats or the, or the you know, the whom, whomever. Come on, people. Let's get a little self-control. Let's decide we're going to back up. We're not just going to believe everything that happens. One of the reasons is, is because we believe, number three, in the judgment to come. We believe that in the very end of days, it will be revealed if we were right with God, if we were right in our opinions, or if we were wrong, and if we were out of control. And I'm concerned. I'm so concerned. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God, to stand before him, and to realize I was so wrong about some of you. Oh, come on. That was good. <laughs> you know, why would, you know, why not get it right right now? Let's not be afraid of being wrong. Let's reexamine why we believe we know what we know. Because we may not know it. We may believe it, but we may not know it. Hold off on making opinions and judgments about other people. Just hold off. You're not forced to make a judgment, to have a bad or critical opinion. You're not being forced to be critical about others. If someone is forcing you to do that, 
You need to change the subject. Here's what you can say. You know, we're getting a Walmart. We're getting a new Walmart. You know, make up something. You know, I taught that to Brenda years ago. What was it, Brenda, I told you to start saying? We're getting the Foley's. I told you, yeah. I said, Brenda, whenever you get in a conversation and you really don't want to participate in it, I want you to do this. I just want you to act dingy. I want you to act like you don't have a brain in your head. Because you don't need that trash in your head. I don't, I don't, you know, you don't need that. I said, so here's what I want you to do. When you get in a conversation and, and it's, just, it's just going south or somebody's saying something bad about somebody, I want you to say this. Hey, we're getting the Foley's. I said, it will confuse the heck out of them. They'll look at you like you're crazy, but they'll go, oh, yeah, okay. And they'll just go home and I go on. I said, and I had rather to be thought dingy than participate in ungodliness. And neither do I want to start an argument or make anybody else feel bad. Like, you know, you're just a gossip. You, know, you don't do that. That's another judgmental criticism. I mean, why? We're getting the Foley's. And do you know what? A few years later, we got a Foley's. I was wondering how many, how many of these conversations was she getting involved in and she done confessed a Foley right into existence. I mean, find yourself something to say. That's non-judgmental, non-critical, non-threatening, you know, that can move the conversation onto some, you know, decent ground. Because your ears are on a trash can. And worst thing about it, you might start believing something you heard. And you don't want to do that. You know? You don't have to agree with someone to be their friend. You don't know anything, any man, anything but to love him. Okay? Speaking the truth in love is important, especially when you happen to disagree with a family member or a friend. But not everyone who agrees with you is your friend. But listen, you don't have to agree with someone to be their friend. And they don't have to agree with you to be your friend. But don't talk bad about people. Just don't. You may not know the whole story, especially if it's none of your business. Remember, most likely, it's none of your business. That's what I told that pastor a few years ago. I said, I've never told you my side of my story. You want to know why? He said, why? I said, because it's none of your business. Respect is a two-way street. You want to be respected, respect others.